Let there be light. It's a phrase that many of us know, although these words likely mean something different across the board. Based on the Christian dogma, for instance, it was the very first thing that our world ever knew. Light, love, and energy. It was there before it all. Coming from a scientific perspective, on the other hand, you could argue that the universe as we know it emerged directly from this illumination, with life itself being cradled in the afterglow of the Big Bang. Then, of course, there's the metaphorical interpretation. The idea that peace comes from chaos, light from darkness, with a distinct separation between the two. But where exactly does that leave us? Simply suspended, somewhere between night and day? Perhaps we're merely just lost in the chaos, waiting for a sense of peace to finally come. Of course, it could never really be that bleak. After all, darkness can only exist on the outside of light, neither remaining without the other. So if we're ever truly lost, then the only thing for us to do is follow the light. I'm Courtney Hayes, and you're listening to Haunts. Stay tuned. When I think of the most haunted cities in America, there are a select few that come to mind. Savannah, Georgia, for instance, has long been thought to be the most haunted city in the country, thanks to its grim association with the American Civil War, yellow fever, and a handful of devastating fires. The city of New Orleans, situated atop mass deposits of limestone, is another prime example of a notoriously haunted town, one that we discussed at length back in Episode 5. Then there are the less suspecting, yet equally significant cities, urban pockets scattered about the country, paying little mind to the realms beyond our own. And while they may be better known for their white sand beaches or world-class cuisine, they too are overflowing with chilling legends and ghostly lore. Famed for being the oldest city in the United States, St. Augustine, Florida definitely fits this bill. Of course, this beachside town is known for being a tourist destination, one that's rich in history as well as southern charm. And yet, lurking around nearly every corner are a few haunts of its own. Take, for example, the renowned landmark that sits just outside of town. Nestled along the shores of Anastasia Island, the St. Augustine Lighthouse dates back to 1824. Needless to say, this lightship boasts a long-standing history in its own right, although the ground on which it sits has been guiding sailors for centuries more. You see, back in the 1580s, when St. Augustine was still operating under Spanish rule, the crown erected a handful of watchtowers on Anastasia Island. Originally, these structures were intended to ward off enemy ships, but by the time that Florida became a U.S. territory, only one of these towers remained. It was this very structure, standing resolute at the island's northernmost point, that would eventually become the lighthouse that stands today, now functioning to welcome maritime travelers on occasions when the seas are particularly unforgiving. Suffice to say, it's supposed to be a beacon of hope, a light to cut through the darkness. But as the time has passed, things have become a whole lot more obscure. 
They say that the St. Augustine Lighthouse is the oldest brick building in all of St. Augustine, Florida, meaning that it is likely one of the oldest buildings in the United States. I know, it's sort of jarring when you put it that way. And with a distinction such as this, it's no surprise that the lighthouse and surrounding outbuildings are believed to harbor numerous spirits, many of whom met unfortunate and premature ends. Take the story of the Pity Sisters, for example. It was 1871, when Hezekiah Pity was appointed to rectify a rather grave issue. You see, in recent months, it had become apparent that the St. Augustine Lighthouse was succumbing to erosion by an encroaching sea. In an effort to address the problem before it became catastrophic, Congress approved funds to repair the lighthouse tower, and with that, Hezekiah was hired to oversee the project. Before long, Hezekiah and Mary Pitty relocated to Anastasia Island, and by the time construction began, the Pitty children, Mary Adeline, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie, had grown deeply fond of their new abode. They would spend their days down at the construction site, playing make-believe games while they watched the tower above take shape. Now, as a quick aside, I feel as though I should mention that this was a different time. So the Pitty's parenting style was let's say, a bit more lax than what is common today. But still, in retrospect, I think it's obvious that a construction site doesn't make a very suitable playground for children, so I shouldn't need to warn you about what happens next. It was a hot July day in 1873 when tragedy struck. The Pity Sisters, Mary Adeline, Eliza, and Carrie, were riding in a cart meant to haul construction materials down to the job site. The girls were accompanied by a friend, the now nameless daughter of a construction worker who Hezekiah had recently employed. Together, the four girls were enjoying a jovial ride down a steep incline toward the island's eroded coast. That is, until the cart came to a screeching stop, sending them toppling down into the cold, dark waters far below. Ever since that fateful day, a series of mysterious and unexplained phenomena has become quite common at the St. Augustine Lighthouse, leading many to believe that the Pity Sisters are still hanging around, only now the games they play are a bit more ghostly in nature. You see, over the years, visitors have reported a variety of occurrences that suggest the presence of these playful spirits. Specifically, laughter and giggling, reminiscent of children at play, have often been heard echoing through the lighthouse, particularly during times when no living children are present. Coinciding with this disembodied laughter, encounters with these spirits have taken on a mischievously playful tone. On one occasion, for instance, a guest was enjoying a lighthouse ghost tour when she had a startling experience. Upon entering the tower with her tour group, the woman began to climb up the stairs, only to find that her shoelace had somehow been tied to the railing. Now, while we're on the topic, it's worth mentioning that the spirits of the Pity Sisters become quite active during these evening ghost tours and investigations. In fact, tour guides and guests alike 
often report spikes in electromagnetic frequency while investigating in the lighthouse, specifically in the areas where the sisters are known to haunt. Okay, so you're probably thinking, of course spikes of EMF are common inside the lighthouse. After all, there is a 2-ton, 1,000-watt light bulb nestled at the top of the tower. And to that, I'd say you're exactly right. I mean, at least in my opinion, reports of high EMF in such an electrically charged building don't necessarily equate to paranormal activity. Although it's worth mentioning that this is not the only activity that the lighthouse is known for. As a matter of fact, these spirited claims go beyond subtle occurrences, as some have reported encountering the fully formed apparitions of the Pity Sisters. Witnesses have described seeing the figures of young girls in Victorian-era clothing, with some guests even mistaking them as living children. Well, that is, until they suddenly vanish, right before their eyes. Now, these specters have been witnessed both during the day and in the dark of night, lending a certain authenticity to claims of more mundane activity. So, maybe the rumors are true. As tragic as it is to think, it almost seems that the Pity Sisters have not yet followed the light beyond the veil, but instead remain entranced by the very beacon they knew in life. Just a few steps away from the Lighthouse Tower sits the St. Augustine Lighthouse and Maritime Museum. Back when it was first constructed, the building functioned as the lightkeeper's quarters, housing dozens of caretakers over centuries of active use. Today, the museum plays host to over 200,000 guests annually, each of whom bring a distinct energy into an already overcrowded space. Perhaps it's for this very reason that the old caretaker's quarters are also plagued by their fair share of paranormal activity. Only the spirit said to haunt this building is known to be a bit more nefarious in nature. They call him the man. I know, the moniker is a bit more comical than I had originally let on. But trust me when I say that this spirit is anything but cheerful. According to Lighthouse staff, at least, this spirit is really quite menacing. Often identified by the scent of a burning cigar, the man is said to harbor a foreboding sort of energy wherever he lurks. He is most commonly encountered on the first floor of the lightkeeper's quarters, in the bedroom where many a caretaker slept for years on end. Although on the rare occasion, a tall dark figure, clad in a semi-transparent overcoat and a mariner's cap, has been seen at the top of the tower looming down at the lighthouse grounds below. If the rumors are true, this dark and somewhat oppressive specter is the man in all of his infamy. But who exactly is this spirit? And for that matter, why does he spend his afterlife bringing darkness to the world of the living? Well, as I'm sure you may have guessed, the answer to that question is still open for interpretation. At least within the right circles, there are a few running theories for who this spirit may be. Some speculate that the man is actually the apparition of William Russell, an attentive, albeit recluse, lighthouse keeper hailing from the 1850s. Conversely, alternate theories suggest that Joseph Andrew may be the ghost behind this facade. 
This caretaker tragically lost his life in 1859, after he plummeted from a scaffolding while applying a new layer of paint to the lighthouse tower. Now even in spite of these differing theories, I think we can all agree that one thing is certain. Regardless of the man's true identity, it's clear that this lightkeeper's shift never truly ended. And so he still remains, tending to his light from beyond the grave. As we all know by now, the story of the St. Augustine Lighthouse is one of tragedy. But even still, many of the people who pen this narrative are actually quite impressive. Take the chapter on Maria de los Dolores, for example. As a matter of fact, Maria was actually the first woman to serve on the U.S. Coast Guard. Oh, and let's not forget that she was also the first Hispanic-American woman to command a federal shore installation. Yes, you heard that right. Maria was the first woman to hold the title of lightkeeper at the St. Augustine Lighthouse. I know, it's quite the claim to fame, although it's worth mentioning that this honor was granted under less than desirable circumstances. You see, Maria de los Dolores, or should I say Maria Andrew, began her career in December of 1859, following the death of her husband, the aforementioned Joseph Andrew who had only recently fallen from a scaffolding at the top of the tower. On that fateful day, she raced to her husband's side, only to find that there was nothing that she could do to save him. So, in the end, she gathered up Joseph's legacy and carried on with a broken heart. Today, Maria continues on with this work, only now in a non-corporeal form, in fact, she's often seen walking along the catwalk, the very place where her husband took his final breath, almost as if she's reliving that last harrowing moment. Suffice to say, Joseph Andrew was the light of Maria's life, one that's still shining just as brightly as the beacon up above. This episode of Haunts was written and produced by me, Courtney Hayes. If you've been enjoying the show so far, I would greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a review. A lot of work goes into each episode, and supporting the show in this way really helps us reach more listeners each week. It's entirely free and takes about 30 seconds, and it would genuinely mean the world to me. Also, if you're interested in learning more about today's topic... I greatly encourage you to check out the show notes section on our website at hauntscast.com. This is the location where I share my sources and provide any visual aid that may be referenced during the show. Finally, I would love to connect with you online. You can find me on Instagram at hauntscast, or you can join our email list for updates about the show. Thank you again for listening, and until next time, happy haunting. <laughs>